What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode six of the Cycle Podcast. Thank you so much for being here today. I'm so grateful to all of you. Thank you for the people who have been reaching out to me and thanking me for making this podcast. You have no idea how much that means to me. I'm so grateful to you. You know, I really started this podcast on a whim. I wanted to help other women. I love interviewing and chatting with people. And so far, it's gone really well. And that's because of all of you listening in. So thank you so much. If you like this podcast and it brings you value, please go rate us in the iTunes store. I did notice we got a one. Hurt my feelings a little bit, but I understand. I know the audio isn't perfect, something I'm working on, but right now I'm just using the Anchor app testing everything. I think it's been going okay, but if the content is helpful to you, please let me know. I really want to improve. If you have suggestions, you can reach out to me. I have my website launched now. It's www.melissaboudreau.com, and that's M-E-L-I-S-S-A-B-O-U-D-R-E-A-U.com. Thank you again so much for listening, and I'm really excited for my guest today. Her name is Kim. I like to call her Kimberly because I like that she spells her name with an I. She and I met on Instagram, and she is a positive light in the endometriosis space, so I really just wanted to talk to her. We don't know each other at all. I hope you enjoy the interview, and thank you again so much for tuning in. I appreciate it. Kimberly, how are you tonight? Hi, I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, we're so excited to have you on the podcast today. And just for everyone listening, so Kimberly and I have met through Instagram. We've never met in person, and we just seem like curly-haired brown girls from across the country from each other. Besties. We both love Snoop Dogg. Yeah. (laughs) So... And I've been following her on Instagram and Facebook as well. And I think she's very inspirational. And I really wanted to get to know her story, which I don't know. And I thought this would be a great story for us to share with you guys. So we're really excited that you guys are here and listening. And I'm actually very excited to get to know Kimberly better. So Kimberly, why don't you tell us just a little bit about yourself? It doesn't have to be endo-related. Just where are you from? How old are you? What's going on? Sure. Okay. Well, my name's Kim, obviously. Um, I'm 30 years old and live in Georgia with my husband and two fur babies. I am a substitute teacher, and I also have a few jobs I'm working on from home. My main goal is to eventually work from home full-time. Yeah, that's kind of a little bit about me. Awesome. Awesome. Tell, tell us about your fur babies. What kind of fur babies do you I have? I have a chocolate lab who is absolutely crazy. And I have a Siamese Persian, some weird mixture kitty cat. <laughs> Aww, that's awesome. Well, I will tell everyone that when I am following him on Instagram, I get jealous because I live in Michigan and she's outside playing with her dog and I'm freezing in the snowstorm. Yes, it's been in the hundreds here the last few days. Wow. Okay. I'm not no. jealous of that. I'm not jealous of that. Wow. That's crazy. Well, let's hear a little bit about your endo journey. So do you remember when you started your first period? Yes, I was 11 years old, actually. I had to- I'm home from cheerleading practice and surprise it was there and it was probably the worst day of my life. (laughs) Oh oh man, I'm sorry to hear that. So you're 11. Did your period start off painful right from the beginning or were they kind of like 
quote unquote normal. I know at that age, it's, it's nothing's really normal. Right. To be honest, I didn't experience, you know, much pain. I had, like you said, the cramps, but of course I had learned that that was normal. So I didn't really think much of it. Um, I felt like I had a pretty right. normal, you know, childhood with my period, at least for a few years. Yeah. So like element or you're leaving elementary, going into middle school, yes. But then like middle school, high school, were you missing school or were, were you just like, oh, I'll take some Advil. I'm fine. This is normal. Or when did it start to be like, this doesn't seem right? I was in middle school and I was just always sick. I was always catching everything, you know, from strep throat, the flu, just everything. So, you know, I miss school quite a bit, but I didn't really miss school much for my period. I don't know. You know, the pain wasn't really that bad. It was just more so heavy bleeding. Um, I did try to start using tampons in middle school because it was just so heavy and I, I was getting tired of wearing, you know, the big pads. Um, and the first time I ever tried to use one, I just about passed out. Um, it hurt so bad even trying to, you know, put it in. And I kind of just thought right there, maybe something is not going right down there. Right, right. And that was in middle school. That so was that, middle school. Right. So what happened after that? Did you continue to try or were you like, I, I should go talk to my doctor or do you just live with it and not use tampons? I just lived with it. Didn't use tampons. Um, the doctors, you know, never really believed me since I was always sick and always there already. So mm-hmm. I didn't feel like dealing with that. So I just lived with it and used, you know, the big pads. Yep. Yep. That's so common. It's kind of crazy that you say that because I was very similar and I remember being like I want to use tampons but it just it wasn't comfortable and I didn't understand how my friends didn't have that same feeling like I just I was like there's something must be something wrong with me but whatever you know and I remember like being invited to go on a boat in high school and I was like (laughs) I have to make this work like I can't wear a pad like I have to wear a tampon and it's as I talk to more women with endo, it's so common. I had no idea, no idea. I mean, I'm just learning this in the past couple of years that me too. Yeah. It's just crazy. Okay. So then walk me through high school. Are, are you having painful periods? You're okay. You're living with it. You're going on day-to-day life. What happens I, next? I started high school. I was living with it, you know, whatever. It wasn't really anything bad, but around 15, 16, around, you know, that, that was when I started to truly see symptoms um, that something definitely wasn't right. I was having really sharp pains in my stomach. Um, I couldn't, I can't even count the amount of times my mom had to rush me to the ER thinking it was my appendix, but I would always be turned away. Just, it's just gas is what they would say. Yeah. Um, So that was around the time I started to realize something was definitely not right. And then were your periods really painful? Were you having bad like first, second day cramps or was it that was like manageable, but you're having this other pain? That was still manageable, but I was really just having this other stomach pain. Okay. And I guess I guess that could have been, you know, the cramp. I, I didn't really even know it was just so painful because it was all the time, even not on my period. Right, right. It started to be like almost an everyday occurrence. Yes. And were you missing like social engagements or like, you know, things in high school where you're like, I really want to go, but I just don't feel right? No. And I don't know if that's because I was always getting hurt as a child. I broke a lot of bones. I don't know if I just, you know, was tolerant to the pain um, or I just didn't want to miss out. But 
I was able to do a lot of things, even if I didn't feel well, I sucked it up. I went, Mm -hmm. um, like you had said, you know, if there was anything water involved and I had my period, I would just wear a pad and shorts instead of a bathing suit. Um, I made it work. Right. It was hard, but I made it work. You just adjusted your life to, and you thought it was normal. That was your new normal. Yep. Okay. So then when did you start to really get serious about investigating these mysterious pains that you were having? At 16, my mom finally decided I was old enough to go to the gynecologist um, to see if they can help me out. So they did a transvaginal ultrasound, which hurt like hell, Mm -hmm. as I'm sure many can relate to that. Yeah. And I just, I bled like crazy. Um, But the doctor told me it was just cysts on my ovaries and to take birth control and I would be perfectly fine. Mm -hmm. Sounds... (laughs) Sounds typical. Sounds typical. So then you do the birth control. Are you feeling better? It definitely helped with my cysts. It shrunk them. It took away the pain, but I was still having heavy periods. Right. So, you know, that still wasn't right. Um, I did have pain, but it started, I don't know if it was you know, my cysts, but every time I went, they would do, you know, an ultrasound and say, no, your cysts have shrunk. They're not there. It can't be that. Right, right. And did anyone ever mention the word endometriosis to you? No, I no, no. never heard that word. Never mm-hmm. heard that word. It was still, mm-hmm. you know, this is normal. Take birth control. See you later. Yep. Yep. Now what, what happens next to where you're, you're, re, you know, discovering that something else is still off? It wasn't until my junior year, the stomach pain really just became too much. You know, the bloat started it was just so painful to wear, wearing clothes just hurt my stomach. I I couldn't wear anything tight. Um, So my mom took me to the doctor and I ended up getting a colonoscopy, a junior in high school. And I had my first colonoscopy. I mean, that's just crazy. Yeah. (laughs) So everything came back fine. Of course, Mm -hmm. Um, they just told me to change my diet. So I did, I did what they said. I was still having pain. So I went back to my primary care doctor and he put me on a diet it was just lettuce crackers broth um and he said I can eat some noodles well I ended up losing so much weight my skin started to turn like a grayish color I just looked like death yeah you weren't getting any protein no so I stopped that um I started just eating whatever and I said screw it I just you know went back to trying to live my life. And I just dealt with it until senior year. You know, I was in and out of the hospital constantly for pain. They kept saying it was just gas. They sent me home. And that was kind of just my routine until I graduated high school. Did they ever diagnose you with like IBS or like say anything that you might have? Or were they just like, like, eh, she's overreacting. Just do this. At that time in my life. No, they didn't even say IBS. They just said, you know, she's just a stressed high schooler. She's fine. Mm. You know, they thought I was drinking too much every time they thought maybe I was pregnant because I was in high school. Of course, of course, of course. So many pregnancy tests at the ER every time. And they, they charge you for those suckers too. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Listen to me. I'm not pregnant. You wouldn't have needed to charge me for this crap. Oh my goodness. Okay. So senior, you do all this. You're like, I'm living, I'm going to eat what I want. I'm doing whatever I want. Now what happens? Then I start college, you know, same routine and then out of the doctors, same thing. And then one night I was watching TV with my friend 
And I felt like I had to, you know, go pee. I got up, I went to the bathroom, I did my business, came out, and I just dropped to the ground. I was in so much pain. Um, I just started screaming. So she ran and got my dad. He rushed me to the hospital. I get there. Of course, they think I'm pregnant. They do all, they put me through all of that crap. Mm -hmm. And then finally at the end, they say, oh, maybe you just passed a kidney stone. We don't really know. And then sent me home. (laughs) How are your parents with all of this? Are they supportive and, and helpful or were they getting frustrated because you weren't getting a diagnosis or did they think like maybe you were just stressed and how how was that? I think at that time they were getting frustrated because I never liked school. So I was always trying to get out. So I think they kind of just thought, you know, maybe she is making this up. Maybe she's fine. Um, I, they always took me to the doctor though. You know, they never said no, but you could tell they were definitely frustrated. Right. Because you weren't getting any answers too. So how could they not be? I'm sure you were frustrated. Oh, I was so frustrated. When did you get diagnosed? How old were you? I was 27 years old. Okay. And so after all that time, it took, you started your period at 11, Mm -hmm. 27, you were finally diagnosed all those doctors, all those ER visits. It's just crazy. Yeah. One question I was thinking about was, was the pain and when you're going to the hospital, did it seem like it was in line with your cycle? So was it in line with like maybe ovulation or your period or was it just random? That is hard to tell because for so many years, I actually stopped getting my period. Okay. From, hmm, I want to say the end of high school through some of college, I completely stopped getting my period. Got it. Wow. So was it sporadic or you just didn't have it at all? I didn't have it at all. Wow. Okay. So, but you were still having pain. I was still having some severe pain. Um, I did notice some spotting, but nothing really that warranted, you know, a pad or anything. Right. Were you on birth control? Yes. I had, I tried so many different birth controls during that time because I thought it was not normal not to get a period. Um, but everything I kept trying, I just, I still was not getting a period. And did your, well, I guess then your doctor didn't want you to go on continuous birth control because you weren't having a period anyway. Nope. We kind of just left it that, you know, it was normal and enjoy not having a period. (laughs) Right. All right. So, so you go through college, you go through all this, and then what finally leads to your diagnosis at 27? Starting in 2016, that was when I really started to get even more symptoms. It started with nausea. It started with throwing up pretty much every night, um, diarrhea, constipation that it started with the pelvic pain, the leg pain, the back pain. I started getting slight fevers pretty much daily. Um, my heart would race and I would have trouble breathing and I would just get these like blackout dizzy spells every time I would stand up. Um, I gained about 40 pounds. Just, I don't even know how I I wasn't eating, you know, unhealthy. I was working out every day, but I gained all this weight. I was bloated. I was so depressed. I was crying pretty much every day. I was just in a really bad state of mind. Um, the fatigue started. I had restless nights, hot flashes, headaches so bad that, you know, closing my eyes and laying down, I couldn't even do that. Um, 
it just hurt so bad. And I would get like these random rashes all over me. So all of that kind of led me to think something's not right. Yes, absolutely. Oh my gosh. You must've been terrified. <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't really know what was going on. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And that's really interesting. I want to touch on one thing that you said about the rashes. So mm -hmm. another thing, you know, I've had endo for 20 years and I've known it for, you know, 10 of those 20 years. And I would always get rashes at night, very light rashes, but it would be like yep. Rash, and yes. my stomach, and my and my arms, and sometimes my legs, and I I never thought that that was related to endo until this year. I went to a medical conference about endo, and it's one hundred percent related to endo. No idea, had zero clue. Really? Yeah, See, I still didn't know that. I still didn't think it was related to endo. It is. It is. That it's, is so interesting. Yeah, inflammation, all that causes it, and the black. Yeah. So mm -hmm. like two years ago, I was in California and I blacked out and passed out and I happened to be visiting someone in the hospital. And so the hospital thought like I was just scared in hospitals. And I was like, oh yeah, yeah. I was like, I know I'm a pro at hospitals, but I'm really good at that, which is why I'm here to help my friend. But, um, that is also common in women with endometriosis that I learned this year as well. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yes. Yeah. So to some of those symptoms that you mentioned all, I mean, every symptom that you mentioned all makes sense. It's a systemic disease, but people just don't understand it that way. Yeah. It just affects every part of your body, everything. Yes. Every single part. Okay. So all of that's going on and you're like, I'm so depressed. I feel terrible. What do you, you go to the doctor, I assume. I did. I saw four different gynecologists, um, all who said I was perfectly fine. You know, they took blood work, hormones came back fine. Everything came back fine. They would do ultrasounds, never found anything. Um, they just, they said, one told me it was all in my head. I needed to go see a therapist. He actually brought my husband into the, the um, room, sat him down and told him the reason that, you know, I don't want to be intimate or I may be seeming like I don't love him anymore is because I need to go to therapy. Wow. That yes, might be one I, of the worst ones I've ever heard. Yes, I, I broke down at that point. I just, I did not know what to do. That was embarrassing. That was rude. That was so yes. hurtful. Yes, um, unacceptable too. And this is 2016. So we're not talking yes. about, you know. No, yeah. Five. <laughs> this was a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. Wow. So I wasn't getting help with gyno. So I went to the heart doctor, you know, they did a stress test. They did images. They did all of these things. They found I had a leaky heart valve, but said that was normal. So never did anything with that. I went to the lung doctor. Um, they said I had nodules on my lungs, but again, told me that's normal. So they gave me an inhaler and said every time, you know, I couldn't breathe, use the inhaler. I went to the rheumatologist. She said I had also fibromyalgia. Um, that could have been what was going on. And then I went back to the gastro. I had another colonoscopy. I had the scope down the throat and I had a stomach study. And nothing, right? They no, the stomach study said I had dumping syndrome, which is when food from your stomach moves, um, to the small intestine too quickly. However, my doctor said, there's no way I can have that. Cause the only way you get that is if you had stomach surgery, I guess. And so endometriosis wrapped around uh, your intestines. Maybe I get, I don't know. So he told me that was when they finally told me, you know, it's just IBS. So he gave me medicine for IBS and 
the medicine actually made me really sick. And my husband's a pharmacist. And for him to tell me to stop taking it, that's when you know, you know, it's not IBS. Something else is going on. Yes. Yes. So how, who did you find or how did you discover the endo? Like I said, at that point, I was at my breaking point. So my husband reached out to insurance and he looked for gynecologists that were specialized in endometriosis around us. So we found the um, place in Atlanta, Dr. Mm -hmm. Ken Sinervo, mm -hmm. and he talked with me. We set up an appointment for me to get surgery. I was so excited. And then a few weeks before, they messaged me and they told me that I had to give them $12,000 a day of surgery. And then the day after surgery, it wouldn't be more than 26,000. And my heart just sunk because I don't have that kind of money laying around. Right, right. So, so I had to know to call an endo specialist. Did you, how did you learn about, because no one ever diagnosed you with it, right? No, I finally, finally, my, <laughs> my three aunts, actually had endometriosis. Oh my goodness. Of course. So after all of these years, I finally found out, you know, that they all had it. So one of my aunts just really talked to me about it and told me all about it and what I should do, who I should see, what I shouldn't do. And so that's how we kind of knew to kind of research that. Thank goodness. But when you were younger, nobody put two and two together. No. <laughs> I mean, it's common though, because in, in like ants or older women, they were never even really diagnosed. And no. Yeah. They diagnosed them with the disease. Right. So, oh, so then you're heartbroken. You're going to go to the center for endometriosis care. They tell you this and, and you're like, I can't do that. Yeah. I had to cancel. I, I told, I lost out on, um, the fee, you know, to put down for the surgery, but I just, I couldn't pay the rest of it to have the surgery. So I canceled it. My husband felt horrible again. He went back to insurance, started looking around. Um, we found another hospital. However, he wasn't really specialized in endometriosis. He just, he could perform the surgery just to actually diagnose me. Okay. And so then did you meet with him and have surgery with him? I did. I met with him. My parents took me. Um, and at first he said, at first, he really said, no, you know, I don't think I should do surgery. I think you should try the Lupron. And I told him, absolutely not. I don't even know if I have it. I need the surgery done. I need to know. Right. And he said, fine, but I'm not a specialist. I can't look in certain areas like your bowels. Um, you know, it's risky. I could hit something. I don't know what's going on. And I said, you know what? I don't care. I'm so desperate. Just do it. I don't care what happens. I mean, I respect that he said that to you, at least. Oh, for sure. Mm -hmm. Okay. So then you have surgery with this doctor, which I'm assuming was ablation and not. Yes. Yep. And he diagnosed um, you. He did stage two. He said, uh, he found it on my uterus. My left fallopian tube was closed. He warned me that I'd probably have a lot of ectopic pregnancies. I may not even get pregnant. Um, he did say my bowels were kind of stuck to my wall or whatever, but like he said, he couldn't do anything about it. So I felt, I really actually felt good for two to three months after it. Mm -hmm. um, but it just seemed to come back with, you know, vengeance a couple of months after that. Yeah. Uh, typical with 
ablation surgeries like that, it's they, right. they remove the superficial layer, and then, as you know, um, mm -hmm. it comes back with a vengeance. And so, sure. what year was that? That was 2017. Okay, and th is that the only surgery you've had? Yes, um, I've been trying to heal naturally, but I do know I probably do need, you know, an actual excision surgery. Yes, for sure. You probably do, especially if it's affecting your bowel. But how are you feeling? So how are you feeling like today? Like not to, just like present day? On and off. Um, for a while there, I was really, really struggling again. And then I kind of felt better again. And then these last few weeks, I've kind of been going back to the um, just not feeling right, bloated. The pain is back. Um, I, and now, actually, I said I didn't have periods. Now, these last few years, I've had month-long periods. Right, right. So I am just, <laughs> yeah, I'm a mess. Yeah, not fun, not fun at all. So, mm -hmm. you know, obviously I follow you, and I think you're amazing and inspirational, and you're still going through a lot. How do you manage, you know, things day-to-day? -day? What are some of the things that that have really worked for you that maybe you can share with some of the other ladies who may not be able to afford to have surgery right now or can't find an excision specialist in their area? Honestly, CBD oil, I just started it a few months ago. It has helped my pain so much. It has helped with my anxiety, which has also helped with my pain because I'm not constantly stressed and anxious. Um, that has definitely been my gold, you know, winner that just really has helped me. Um, I also love yoga, walking, light cardio. Um, I have changed my diet, but you know, that's hard to stick to. I'm human. Right. <laughs> um, and another thing that has been really, really helpful is getting rid of just toxic things in my life, toxic people, toxic jobs, just anything that caused extra stress that I did not need. Right, right, because this disease is all fueled by inflammation, so stress, absolutely, bad, bad processed foods, unfortunately, mm -hmm. the delicious stuff like donuts and cake and, you know, all the things yeah, that are- All the good stuff. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> good stuff. But yeah, it really is fueled by that. So I, I haven't done CBD, and I know you and I kind of talked about it a little bit online, but mm -hmm. how do you, what do you do? Is it like a liquid or like what's your- how do you use it? Yep. I have the liquid that you just, you know, oral, you just put it on your tongue. And I also have the cream okay. that I rub, like when I'm, in, when I'm cramping or I have pelvic pain, I just rub it, you know, a little bit on, you know, the areas that hurt. They help, it helps with headaches. Okay. Interesting. Good to know. I mean, I think tips like that are very, very helpful and Absolutely. You know, something I still struggle with and like you just talked about diet wise, like I struggle with, I don't eat dairy or gluten because I'm actually allergic to it. And I'm sure it's because of endometriosis, but I read all of these things like people who go hundred percent vegan, they cured their mm -hmm. endo. People who yeah. only do carnivore and eat only meat have cured their endo. Intermittent right. fasting has cured. I mean, there's no cure for endo just so, no. No. <laughs> but for me, I get really confused about all that. And then there's paleo and, you know, yep. I, I always, and if, for people who are listening, like I struggle with that because I'm like, maybe I should be doing more and I should be doing this. And then I get myself stressed out about it and feel guilty for right. you know, not being perfect all the time. And I don't know the answers to those questions. And I would really actually like to talk to some like 
nutritionists on the on the podcast about it but yeah yeah just anything like that is so interesting to me but it isn't I mean when I cut out dairy and gluten I did feel a lot better same absolutely I would love to go to nutritionist or wherever you go to get you know a test and see what I might actually be allergic to or what actually might bother me and if I actually know I might be able to stop really eating it right because right now I don't know I don't really know what is bothering me? Cause it seems like I cut out one thing, try a different thing. And I just, I still have pain. I still get bloated. I still feel sick. Yeah. A good way to test that, that I actually, I did this years ago when I first found out I had endo is legitimately for 30 days, just cut one of the things out and keep a food diary. And then as you slowly add it back in, see how you feel. And you don't know immediately after 30 days, if you react to it. Sometimes people say two weeks, but 30 days really gets it out of your system. And then eat a piece of bread and you'll be like, whoa, I can't can't do this. So (laughs) I'm again, there's little things that you won't know, but that's a good one to do for like eggs. I feel like a lot of people are allergic to soy, dairy. Those are like the big guys, but you're right. There's other things and there are blood tests that you can get to test for some of it, but sometimes it's just an intolerance. And for ladies like us that have endo, Mm -hmm. if you have endo in your bowel, it could Mm -hmm. be just that also. Right. Right. That's kind of what I'm thinking is my issue, but yeah. When you said that you were vomiting and things like that, it just leads me to believe it just based on, again, I'm not a doctor, Based no. on women I've talked to in my personal history, mm-hmm. you know, I lived, I was eating ginger for like every meal just to get, <laughs> to be able to eat, you know? Right. Like, yeah. Oh yeah. And, and the nausea. And then I found out I really did have a bowel obstruction from the endo and I had no idea. That was my last thought. I always just thought like it was everywhere else. I never thought that it would be literally giving me an obstruction. So what make it, yeah, it's scary. It is. It is. It's scary. And just don't know what's going on inside your body. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, 100% true. And you, you don't know what's stuck together and you could have pain on your right side, but really have a cyst on your left too. Like it's right. because everything's so tight in your, in your pelvis, like you just don't know. But I think what you're doing is great. I love that you're managing it with CBD and diet and all of that. I mean, I think that those are things that people can do until they can, you know, afford to have surgery or even, you know, have the time. It's surgery is a big commitment. It is. Absolutely. So, well, that's, that's helpful information. Is there anything else that, that you've done or you want to add or advice to the ladies? I mean, that are listening, ladies, gentlemen, dads, moms, you know, brothers, sisters, boyfriends, girlfriends, anything that you want to add and let them know about women with endo? Yeah. I mean, pain is not normal. I don't care what anyone says. Pain is not normal. Um, For anyone who is suffering with pain, I just want to say only you know your body. If you feel something is not right, you fight until someone listens to you. It doesn't matter if it takes 20 million doctors fight, get your answers, advocate for yourself. Um, and just know you're not alone. You certainly are not crazy. It took me forever to finally understand that and realize that. Yeah, I agree with 100% with what you said. And I've walked out of doctor's offices mid-sentence. I've, I've literally turned around and walked out. And sometimes you have to do that. And I don't want to get down yeah. 
characters, but they don't know everything. They're humans too. And yep. Yep. this is a very unknown disease and they, they may not know. And I don't fault them. I used to get very upset about it. I don't fault people anymore for it. I just say they were never taught this. I'm moving right. on to someone who has better knowledge, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and that's the only thing you could do. Getting mad at them and stuff is not going to help you. So, no. And I and I really agree with a lot of the things you're saying about stress. I think, mm -hmm. you know, women in general to like to take a lot on, and we yes. burden ourselves with a lot of things, and we don't take a lot of downtime, and we feel guilty when we take downtime. I mean, I'm speaking for myself generally too. Like. And as I slow down and as I meditate more, it does help with the pain. It does reduce the pain because if you're inflamed Absolutely. and anxious and running around all the time, your body never gets rest. And when you have this disease, you need rest. Absolutely. I agree. That's huge. Such a huge part. Well, it I really, really, really appreciate you chatting with us. If, if, there, if there's anything else you want to say, tell us what, what's your Instagram and your blog. Tell us everything because... I think you're a wonderful, um, inspiring, positive person for people to follow. Oh, well, thank you so much. Um, my blog is www.lifewithkimberly.com. My Instagram is life period with period Kimberly. Awesome. And those are my two main things I use. Okay. Well, wonderful. Well, Kimberly, Kim, I like calling you Kimberly because I like that you spell your name with an I. <laughs> Everyone always spells it wrong with a oh, Y. I'm, I'm sure they do. I know. I know. <laughs> I really appreciate your time and coming on here and opening up to us. And, you know, I wish you the best and keep fighting and you're an inspiration for other people. And I really hope that, you know, excision works for you in the future. I hope you don't need excision. I hope you don't need surgery. I mean, if I could wish anything upon anyone is that they don't have to have this disease or go through the surgeries that it requires, but I just wish you the best and hope you feel the best that you can and keep doing what you're doing and motivating, inspiring other ladies. Thank you so much for having me. You have been one of my biggest inspirations throughout this journey. So I just really appreciate you. And I'm just so thankful to have met you and have you in my life. I so thank you. Same way. You're a very, very <laughs> welcome. All right. Well, you, Kim, you take care, okay? You also. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Bye. Thank you, everyone, so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's episode with Kim. I hope it was helpful to you. And again, if you have any questions or feedback, you can reach out to me via my website, which is melissaboudreau.com. I appreciate you. Thank you for listening. And remember, if you're suffering from endometriosis, you're not alone. There is a lot of different versions of how people suffer from this disease. And part of this podcast is to interview many women who have gone through beginning stages, end stages, middle stages, so you can understand that it affects everybody differently. I wish you the best if you're suffering from this or if you're supporting a loved one who has endometriosis. If there's anything I can do to help, please reach out. Thank you again so much for listening. Take care.